Welcome, everybody. We're glad that you are here on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, if your plans have brought you this way and you are just uh, passing through, we are grateful that you are here with us and hope that our time together will be something that is a blessing to you. If you're one of our uh, regular family members and you are here to uh, be a part of our worship today and uh, you are uh, looking forward to a cookout, uh, maybe coming up uh, either this afternoon or tomorrow, uh, Johnny Robertson would like to know where you're cooking. He would like to come visit. Uh, he told me that earlier that he, um, you might remember about every year I ask people just raise their hand if you're going to be cooking out because Johnny and I need to know where we need to visit. And uh, we're not going to ask you to raise your hand this year. Uh, we're just going to um, show up. And uh, if you're not cooking, that's okay. I'm going to bring some Koneka sausage. And I think Johnny's going to bring some hot dogs and hamburgers and we'll all have a good time. Uh, whatever your plans are this weekend, I will hope you enjoy them. We are very blessed in the nation that we live in, uh, the uh, jobs that we have, the way in which we're able to care for our families, the activities we're able to enjoy and to be able to have a, a long weekend. It's just another reminder of the goodness uh, that we have here within this nation. So we hope that you take advantage of that, enjoy it, uh, whatever your plans might, might end up being. Over the last few weeks, we have been shouting. If you have not been here, we have gone through a series that was called Shout, looking at lessons to be learned from the story in the Old Testament from David and Goliath. And in that particular series, I reintroduced some of you and introduced to you uh, a guy by the name of Ric Flair. Remember when I uh, put up a picture of Ric Flair and talked to you guys about how that at one time, he was this big uh, wrestler, and he was just very over the top, and one of his big things to do was to go, whoa, and we said, man, when you read through the text of the Old Testament, and you see the story of David and Goliath, and it says that after Goliath fell, the Philistines ran, and the armies of Israel let out a shout of triumph, I thought, man, what better way to to mimic that than to do a little Ric Flair. And so I had you guys, you know, clapping once and clapping twice and give me two claps and give me a Ric Flair. And I had someone ask me a, a few weeks ago, he goes, what are we saying after we clap? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, clap once and everybody claps and you clap twice and everybody claps. And you say, clap twice and give me a, he goes, what is that? And I said, oh, Ric Flair. He said, oh, Ric Flair, like, you know, the, yeah, the, the wrestler. And he goes, oh, I never heard of him. I don't know what that is. I, I, I don't know. And so, uh, you know, I thought everybody knew Ric Flair. And if you say Ric Flair, you know, everybody, whoa, all right. But uh, I'm glad that some of you have gone and Googled. You've watched some old YouTube tapes. And uh, you are uh, up to date now on some of the wrestlers from the 1980s, perhaps. But we've been doing a lot of shouting and one of the reasons is because of what was mentioned earlier, the fact that we paid off uh, the debt on this facility here, and we had a great day of celebration last week. And you might have noticed as you were coming in in the lobby, we had uh, some billboards that are up, and uh, one says, you know, celebrate, and the other says uh, God's generosity. There's one that says seek, and another that says new opportunities. And then on those boards, we gave individuals last week an opportunity to to come and to write, write down different uh, prayers of blessing that maybe they were feeling or uh, different things that 
they hoped that maybe we would be focusing on in the future, prayers that they had of things that would be accomplished. The money that we've been using to pay on this facility would now be used to go in, in other areas. And I want to encourage you, if you did not have an opportunity last week, if you were not able to be with us, if you would like to write your own prayer of blessing on one of those boards, please do that. We've got the Sharpies out there beside them, and you can do that before you head off to class or before you leave here today. And if you'd like to have an opportunity to go and read some of the things that other members of this family have written down, take the opportunity to go and maybe take out your phone, take a picture of each board, and then you can go back and, and read over it at a later date and maybe even be praying over some of the things that are written there. And, but it was a great day last, last week and a great day of, uh, of shouting because the giant of the debt on this facility had fallen, and, and we were very, very happy about that. And while I want everyone to continue to to shout. I want you to realize that your giants have fallen and that you do have a champion that has been victorious. I understand that in the midst of our shouting, there are many who instead feel like weeping just because of the circumstances of life and, and the different situations that perhaps you have found yourself in. You watch the different news footage of everything that's gone on in Texas over the last week. And you can't help but be overcome with emotion when you see the, the, just the heartbreak that has been taking place there. But you weep and yet then there is a shout of joy that comes when you see others who are risking life and limb to go and, and help friends and strangers and people coming from, from all different parts of the country, from all different backgrounds. And it didn't matter if they were Democrats or Republicans. It didn't matter if, if they spoke English or, or Spanish. It didn't matter the color of their skin, the, the degrees that they had on their wall. When there was tragedy and when there was trouble and when there was pain, people responded. Because if there's something that we all understand and if there's something that we all know all too well, is what it feels like to hurt and to be in need. We know what that is. We, we know what it is at a, at a visceral level. And so when we see others in those same circumstances, there's something that wells up inside of us and we need to respond and we need to be a part. Just this last week, I uh, have talked to different members within this church family and I just wrote down some of the things that have been going on in, in, in their life. I've had conversations with people who have faced death as we're talking about uh, Mac Neal and Scale, what, what's going on in their life right now. I've talked with, with them and, and with others who have faced death this week. I've spoken with those who are dealing with depression and, and anxiety. I've talked with families who are struggling in their parenting and with trying to make the right choices when it comes to their children. I've talked with those who have had doubt who have been questioning and, and have questions about what God is doing and perhaps what, what God is, is not doing. I've talked with those who are facing the aging of their own parents and trying to, to make the best decisions when it comes to that and, and, and wanting to deal with that in the best way. I've talked with an individual who, when it comes to their aging parent, is facing the issues that come with dementia and, and Alzheimer's and, and now mom doesn't know son. 
And I heard all of these different stories in the midst of a series of lessons about going, woo! And there's a paradox there. Because the people of God are supposed to celebrate their champion while they're in the midst of times of grief and and pain and, and doubt and anxiety. And it's like, how do we do this? And how do, we, how do we put all this together? And how do we make it make sense? And so I thought that what we would do is, is follow up our shouting with a little weaving. I want us to do a little weaving or at least be opened up to how God weaves the different events of our lives together. How he's able to take those moments when we feel like shouting and those moments when we just feel like crying and how he's able to put those together and somehow make something beautiful out of oftentimes something that appears so ugly and, and so chaotic. And so I thought we'd go to another Old Testament story that's, that's very familiar. It's in your Bibles in the book of Genesis is where we're going to be. Genesis chapter 37 is where we'll start. It's the story of Joseph and the different events that take place in his life. And if you've never studied his story before, if you've never heard about this guy, I'm hoping that over the next few weeks, you're going to be introduced to someone who perhaps you can relate to. Perhaps you can look at his story. You can see different elements of your life. And you can also see, as we learn how God worked in mighty ways, you can also see how God is still working within your life as well. So when Joseph came to his brothers, it says in Genesis 37, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And then they sat down to eat. Do you know the backstory here? Do you know how this guy Joseph was the favored son of his father Jacob because he was born in the, the latter years of Jacob's life and he was born to Jacob's most important relationship, the, his wife Rachel, the love of his life. And for whatever reason then, Jacob begins to shower Joseph with all types of affection and all types of privilege. And the other brothers, it just wells up within them this, this sense of anger and they cannot understand why it is that dad would treat Joseph in such a way and then not treat them in the same way. It was so much dysfunction. It, it was so much pain that was present within the family. When you look earlier in that chapter, it says that they hated him. They could not speak peacefully to him. They hated him even more. They hated him, it says in verse 8. His brothers even envied him. This was the situation that Joseph was in. And so one day he goes and approaches his brothers and they grab him and they strip him and they cast him out into this cistern, into this pit that was used to collect the the water, to collect the different rains that might come, the, the dew that would fall. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to hide his body. And so they throw him in the pit and then they just go sit with no thought of him at all and just decide to have a meal. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, you know, it's so much like what what we go through. Because there are these moments where we just want to shout, it seems like, every day. Because it appears as if our own Father's blessings are just overflowing in our life. 
and things can't get any better, and daddy's rich, and mama's pretty, and everything is going great, and the mighty gators are winning, okay? And then there come moments like yesterday afternoon for Sean when everything just comes crashing to the ground. It comes crashing down around you, and you weren't expecting it, you weren't planning on it. Joseph didn't see the assault coming. He didn't climb out of bed that morning thinking, you know, I better dress in padded clothing in case my brothers throw me in a pit and leave me for dead. The attack caught him totally off guard. Maybe your attack doesn't end up putting you in a pit, but maybe it comes in the form of a diagnosis, a diagnosis of an illness that you weren't expecting. Maybe your pit is a foster home. It's a traumatic injury. Joseph was thrown in a hole and despised. You've been thrown in the unemployment line and forgotten, thrown into divorce and abandoned. You've been thrown into a bed and abused. It's the pit. It's the darkness. Some people never recover. Life is reduced to one quest, and that's get out and never be hurt again. That's the simple reality of it. The pits have no easy exits. And Joseph's story, when you begin to go through it, it just goes from worse, it seems, to worse. Because finally, when he does get out of the pit, he is sold off into a slavery existence. And then when it seems like that he seems to be gaining the, the concern of his master, he ends up having his own master's wife lie about him. He ends up being put into prison. He spends some time there, and then it looks like he's going to be able to get out because of a friendship that he's formed. All of a sudden, that friendship falls through, and he ends up having to spend more time locked up. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. And yet, through the whole story of Joseph, he was never bitter. Anger never metastasized into hatred. His heart, it seems, never hardened. His resolve never vanished. And he not only survived, but he, he thrived. He thrived in this environment. And it seemed that his faith just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Until finally, these same brothers that threw him in the pit and then sat down to enjoy some chicken or whatever was on the menu that day, end up coming to where Joseph was in the country of Egypt. And they go to Egypt because there is now famine in the land. Those pits, those cisterns are dry. And they have come to Egypt not knowing that their own brother now is second in command. Joseph recognizes them. All of the history begins to come back. And I want you to listen to what he says. This is Genesis 50. He tells his brothers, you meant evil against me. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You see, I think in God's hands, intended evil becomes eventual good. Things that Satan hopes will destroy us, things that that evil hopes will finally be the last nail in our coffin, God actually uses to become eventual good. The very acts that were intended to destroy the servant of God, Joseph, God ends up turning it into something that strengthens him. Here's the really cool thing. 
When it says that, that you intended evil for me or you meant evil for me, the wording that's used there in the original language, Joseph is telling his brothers, he's saying that you meant to weave. He's saying that you meant to weave something evil for me, but that God rewove it together for good. He says God is this master weaver who takes the evil that was intended and somehow, in some way, in his own time, weaves it to eventual good. Nothing escapes his reach. Every king and every despot, every weather pattern, every molecule are at his command. And he passes his shuttle back and forth across the generations. And as he does, a design emerges. Satan weaves and then God reweaves. And it's something that continues on and on in our life. And so we're going to look at that over the next few weeks. The idea of how the things that evil intends to destroy us, God reweaves in order to, to strengthen us and to, to make us stronger and to, to change those who are around us. And so here's what I want you to hear. If, if you're one of those who whom I've spoken to this last week, if, if you're one of those who have gone through similar situations as things that have, that have already been mentioned, you're going to get through this. Whatever this is. You fear that you won't. You fear that the depression is never going to lift. You're, you think the yelling is never going to stop. You think the pain is, is never going to leave. In the pits, we're surrounded by steep walls, and it seems like there are angry brothers or sisters on every side. And we wonder, will the gray skies ever brighten, and, and will the load ever lighten? We feel stuck, and we feel locked in. We feel like failure is destined for us, and that we'll never exit. And yet deliverance, when you begin to read through Scripture, deliverance is something that seems to be woven into every single story. Out of the lion's den, Daniel walked. Prison was not able to hold Peter. The whale's belly was not big enough for Jonah. Goliath's shadow could not overcome David. The storm for the disciples could not destroy their boat. The diseases that the lepers had would not take their life. Doubt would not overcome Thomas, and the grave would not keep Lazarus. And the shackles that held Paul in prison would fall off so that he might be able to share the good news of Christ because God gets us through stuff, through the Red Sea onto dry ground, through the wilderness in Deuteronomy 29 and 5, through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23 verse 4, through the deep sea in Psalm 77, 19. Through is a favorite word of God. In fact, I would love for you to go ahead and take your Bible out and, and, and mark a particular passage. It's Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 2. It says, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God's saying, you will get through this. But here's something else we need to remember. It will not be painless. It will not be painless. You have not wept your final tear. And you haven't received your last round of chemotherapy. 
there's no guarantee that your unhappy marriage will have a happy ending. You're not going to be exempt from having to walk into and out of the cemetery. God does not guarantee the absence of struggle and the abundance of strength, not in this life. But He does pledge to reweave our pain for a higher purpose. But here's something else we need to understand. It will not be quick. Man, if only it could just go like that. If only the the illness could come here today and and be gone tomorrow. If only difficulty that we're having with our children, if it could just be something that could take place over the weekend. Joseph was 17 years old when his brothers abandoned him. And he was at least 37 when he saw them again. And another couple of years passed before he ever saw his father. Let's just be honest about it. Sometimes God takes his time. Sometimes God takes his time. 120 years for Noah to prepare for the flood. 80 years to prepare Moses as he was out calling sheep. He called Paul to be an apostle and then isolated him in Arabia for, it looks like, three years. Jesus was on the earth for three decades before he ever built anything besides a chair and a table. How long will God take with you, I wonder? How long is he going to take in my family? How long will he take in our lives as he, as he weaves the things that evil hopes is going to destroy us. He may take his time. His history is redeemed not in minutes, but in lifetimes. And so it's going to mean patience for you. It's, it's going to mean patience for me. As it's going to be painful at times. And it's going to seem like it's never going to end. But here's the great news. Even though it may be painless, and even though it may take time, we will not be alone. That's the promise of Scripture. That's the promise that you see when you read through Joseph's story. You're not going to be alone. We see a perfect mess, and and God sees a chance to to train and test and teach the future prime minister. We see a a prison, and and God sees a a kiln. We see a famine, and and God sees an opportunity to relocate His chosen lineage. We call the place Egypt, but God calls it protective custody, where the sons of Jacob are going to be able to go and escape Canaan. And when we look at the different things that are happening in our lives, oftentimes we always see the negative, and we always see the pain, and we always see the hurt, and we're not able to see beyond. We're not able to see what comes next. And yet there's God beside us each and every step of the way. His vision is clear. His vision can be seen. He said, but where is God in the midst of all of my hurt? That was a question that was asked by one of our family this week. And I asked Erin Brown's permission to share this with you. She had posted it earlier on Facebook. It's a response to the the pit that she and her family are experiencing right now. Her brother Monty has cancer, and it's devastating. She says, I must admit, my faith has been truly shaken over the past few months. I've asked God some very hard questions that I haven't seemed to get answers for. I've asked why and when. How long, and will you? 
over and over again, and, and there has seemed to be silence. But the other day, he said to me, Aaron, I know you're upset with me, but look. Look at what my people are doing. This is where I'm answering you. My love is overflowing out of my people onto you. This, she writes, this is where I have come to know the love of the Father in the body of Christ. It is one of the most beautiful displays of love I have been fortunate to receive. So thank you. Thank you for giving over 60% of the funds needed in just one week of asking. Thank you for constantly checking on how we are doing. Thank you for lifting us up to heaven. Thank you for sharing this story with others who need to know who Jesus is. I am eternally grateful. You know what Aaron has heard? Do you know what the people of Houston have heard? Do you know what those who have struggled in parenting this week and those who have buried loved ones this week have heard? It's the same thing heard by those who are dealing with the depression and the anxiety. It's the same thing going through the son who is putting his mother in a nursing home. They've all heard the same thing. You will get through this. It will not be painless. It will not be quick but you will not be alone. You see, what Satan intends for evil, God, the master weaver, redeems for good. See, I think the story of Joseph is in the Bible for this reason, to teach us to, to trust that evil is overcome by our champion. See, Joseph, I think, would be the first to tell you that life in the pit stinks. Yet for all of its rottenness, the pit does do this for us. It causes us, forces us even, to look up. Because unless someone up there reaches down here, we don't escape. We don't get out. And that's what God did for Joseph. And I truly believe that at the right time and in God's way, He will do the same for you. Your life is God's masterpiece. He weaves all the moments that you go, woo! With all the moments that you say, why? 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 And he puts them together into a life that brings honor and glory to him and causes others around you to wonder about the God in whom you love so much. Can we pray for those who are being weaved together right now? Let's bow. Father, we have a congregation of shouters and we have a congregation of weepers. And that's always how it is. It's, it's the course of our life. 
There are days and weeks and months and even years that it seems like all we want to do is shout. And then there are those same periods of time that all we want to do is mourn. And through it all, Father, what has been intended for evil, you have intended for good. And and you have been weaving and you have been working all of these moments into our life. And you are creating a masterpiece. A masterpiece that displays your faithfulness. A masterpiece that shows that the only way that we make it through, the only way that we go from day to day is through faith in you as our champion. Our prayer this morning is for those who who do not feel like shouting, for those who are truly hurting today. Pray for the kneels. We remember those who are still out of their homes who maybe will never be able to return to what they have in Houston. We're thinking of those who have lost loved ones this week. For those families whose homes have just been battlegrounds. For the trips that have been made to the doctor, for the sleepless nights, for all the different hurts and and pains we think, of, we think of these right now. And Father, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for not leaving us alone in the pits of our life. Thank you for not leaving us abandoned. Thank you for not leaving us so that we feel unloved and uncared for. And even though there are times when it feels as if you are not listening and you are not answering We are grateful for the opportunities when people are brought into our lives, when scriptures are brought to mind, when the song on the radio comes on, when we have that moment where it seems as if we hear you crystal clear. And you remind us, we will get through this. It will not be painless. It will not be quick. But we will not be alone. Thank you for your weaving. Thank you for what you're doing in our life. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing and encourage one another. And maybe you need to come this morning because you are in that pit. And the things that we've talked about have really hit close to home. And you could use a specific prayer perhaps for something that is happening right here and, and right now. Maybe it's a shouting moment for you today. Maybe you have come to shout and to celebrate because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you'd like to be baptized into Christ this morning. See, we'll shout through our tears because it'll be another reminder how the God, the great weaver, can take the good and take the bad and bring glory. Let's stand and sing.